You're listening to Informed, informal chats about theological topics to help us know and understand God together. Informed. Informed. Well, hello everyone. Uh, Simeon here. Welcome to Informed. Uh, Today I'm with Philippe to talk about the subject of baptism. Hi, Philippe. Hello, Simeon. I'm going to start off by putting you on the spot because I thought it would be interesting on these podcasts to ask uh, my different guests, can, can, can you explain to us in, in maybe a minute why you are a Christian? Okay. <clears throat> I'm a Christian because at a certain point in my life, when I was 21 years old, I met God, which might sound funny to some people. But what I mean by that is that I was confronted through the life and of other people and what they were saying to me with the reality of God and of Jesus at a time when I had absolutely no um, desire even to sort of go there. And to my surprise, I that, that really grabbed me and I felt compelled to look into uh, those claims uh, myself. And to my even greater surprise, I found that I was totally won over and I had this overwhelming desire to give my life to God and, you know, letting, as it were, take the reins of my life. And to me, that's what a Christian is, is is someone who's handed over the reign of his or her life to God because of Jesus. Fantastic. And here you are a few years later. A few. (laughs) (laughs) Still, um, still, still walking with Jesus. How long have you been around City Church? Much longer than me. Well, um, Christian and I uh, moved to Cambridge in 1993 uh, to really to help start a City Church uh, alongside uh, a chap called David Kirk, who, who his wife Margaret uh, was um, the person entrusted with the planting of this church. Uh, from New Frontiers, a group of, start, uh, of churches that we belong to. And um, God has spoken to me, or to us really, um, earlier that year saying, you know, time for a, a new start, a change, you know, blank sheet. Uh, and, um, and so when the opportunity arose, uh, Chris and I went and met with David and Margaret and we felt an immediate connection on, on both sides really. And they, they invited us to come and join them if we really felt that was right. And we did, and uh, the leadership of the previous church uh, concurred, and so here we were. Brilliant. So many people come and go through City Church. It's lovely to have people like you and Christine around who have been there for the whole time. And there's a few of you. Yes, thank you. I know, I know. I mean, once Christine and I tried to make a list of the people that have been and gone, yeah. and we stopped uh, uh, because we just could not remember everybody and it was the last the list was getting so long and I think it's it's no exaggeration to say that comfortably something like 3,000 people have gone through this church over the years you know people that have been blessed equipped sent you know in various degrees to 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 to, you know for various things and uh, you know it's been great that's brilliant and um uh if I can attempt to segue, some of them were baptised. Yes. And, and you've indeed. been involved with quite a few of those. 
Yes, well, right from the start, uh, I was uh, given the responsibility for baptisms. We, as an extension of the fact that my heart was very much to kind of uh, um, bring people to Christ and then nurture and and bring people on in Christ. And so baptism was very much part of those um, uh, early steps really, that, a, that a Christian takes. <clears throat> Although uh, we found ourselves, particularly with uh, quite an influx of students, uh, right from the start, really, uh, we, we found ourselves baptizing um, young people or younger, you know, sort of late teens uh, into their 20s that had been Christian for a, quite a while uh, in some cases, and but who, who hadn't been baptized in water. So I'm, some cutting up taking place there. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's a it's a topic where people have all sorts of questions and come with all sorts of previous experiences. So so how would you help us to to think about baptism and begin to get our heads into the Bible's yeah. teachings? Yeah, well, I'm I'm gonna start with my own story, if that's okay. Because um, as I was saying just just now, um, I find myself to my surprise becoming a Christian wanting to follow Jesus, being arrested and, and, and saved, you know. <clears throat> and um, uh, a few months later, I had joined a Christian community. We were a traveling community, although we had a base in London. And we were taking a, um, a Christian musical around the country. And we were in um, Lake and Heath, not far from here, on the American Air Base, um, doing an outreach there and putting on our show. And one of the leaders of the group says, have you been baptized in water? And I said, no, because I'd only become a Christian a, a, a few months before, about sort of four or five months before. And so he said, would you like to be baptized? And I said, well, I guess so. You know, I haven't really thought about it. So I started to look into it. And I thought, well, that's what Christians do. So, you know, reading the New Testament, reading the Book of Acts. So I, I was baptized. I was baptized in the middle of January, the day after my birthday, actually. Um, in a, in a river in East Anglia. Wow. I know, I know, a real disciple. Um, <clears throat> so, <laughs> so um, um, and to me, it was the most natural thing to do. And I thought it would be the most natural thing to do for any Christian until I came across to my dismay and even horror, the fact that uh, uh, many Christians had many different understandings and practices on the subject of on the whole area of baptism. And I couldn't understand why until I looked into that more in depth. And, um, and I found out that divergences were quite, quite big. Um, and so I thought, you know, surely there's got to be, there's got to be a right way of doing it, God's way of doing it. Uh, so I, I, and, and I've, and I've, Ever since then, you know, for the last few decades, I've kind of um, uh, looked into this and studied it and, um, and spoken to people about it and read on it uh, to, to kind of to, to, to try to distill the essence of, of what baptism is about and what it should be should look like, really. So, um, um, yeah, so, so because my heart is always that. Uh, people should, um, particularly because because I've got this this burden for for young Christians and having the right foundations built into your life, that my heart is that um, every Christian should have the right foundations built into their lives, and I believe 
baptism in water is one of those key foundations. And that's the way I read the New Testament. Uh, in, in Hebrews, for instance, the writer in chapter six uh, speaks about uh, laying, not laying again the foundations because these guys that he's writing to should be more mature and should have moved on in Christ. But, but he, in the process, he lists the foundations and he talks about uh, you know, repentance from, from dead acts, uh, faith in, 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 in God and the baptisms, which is plural because it's baptism in water and baptism in the Holy Spirit. And he speaks to, of these as foundations and he goes on to say, and if God permits, we will, we will move on to maturity. <clears throat> and, um, and the language that he uses, if God permits, is a language that portrays God as almost like a, like a building surveyor, who checks that the foundations are there so that you can keep on building the house uh, uh, safely. And so I, I believe it's really important that we get the whole baptism in water thing right, along with uh, repentance and faith in Jesus and the receiving of the Holy Spirit. We get that right as the foundations of our Christian life. Otherwise, yes, we are saved, but there can be wonky things in, in, in our lives as, as, as we build our lives in Christ uh, uh, further down the line. Um, so if you go back, for instance, to, to the book of Acts um, and uh, chapter two, when Peter speaks up uh, to deliver the first Christian sermon uh, of the church, and uh, he, he uses the authority that God has given, that Jesus has given him. Jesus uh, told him uh, when Peter confessed Jesus as the Christ, the son of the living God, he says, uh, I'm giving you the keys of the kingdom. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So when people respond to um, the, the sermon, uh, Peter's sermon, <clears throat> He uses the keys that Jesus has given him to let people into the kingdom of God. And he says, um, to, to, in answer to the question, brothers, what shall we do? Because people are cut to the heart by, by, by what he heard. And he yeah. says, repent, put your faith in Jesus, be baptized in water, and you will receive the Holy Spirit. And these are the four corners of the house, as it were, the foundations on which our house is to be built. So that, that's why I think uh, uh, the whole subject of water baptism is important. It's foundational to our Christian life. I, I would agree because you see, you see those descriptions, like you know, as you say uh, in Acts, where um, uh, it, it is the way that people respond to God in repentance and faith that's expressed through their baptism. And then when you start to look at some of the teaching in the epistles about what baptism is and what baptism does, it it doesn't make sense to, to me to separate it from conversion. You know, Colossians 2, for example, talking about us being uh, in, our, in our baptism, we're, we're dying and, and rising with Christ. Um, yeah. or, or 1 Peter 3 or um, uh, other places we might go. I think it's, it's, um, it's a difficult, it was interesting, you were talking a few minutes ago about, you know, the sort of, the experience you had of discovering that there were a different different views on this within mm -hmm. the Christian church. And I think this is a difficult topic in that respect because um, it's one of those, it's an area where there are some quite different theologies, but it's not something that you can relegate to 
uh, an area that's oh it's it's an interesting thing for christians and theologians to to debate but it doesn't really doesn't really amount to much when it comes to how i live my life you know some of these debates people on either side of the debate end up living the christian life in very much the same way yeah like head coverings for instance whereas with whereas here um it obviously has a very big impact in how you you know an obvious i mean an obvious practical difference in how you practice baptism but i as certainly as i read the new testament it seems to be a really significant thing um so it's a difficult area because because there are these different views but it's not a minor thing it's a it's a really important thing yeah and, and well, the, the people who take a different position to the one that you and i would take they're not flaky christians um you know some of them are very thoughtful and um and bible loving jesus following people so absolutely absolutely yeah yeah and and that's 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 part of the difficulty really is that um uh, you want to um you know I, I really want the unity of the body of christ um and i really want to um uh, to agree with my brother and sisters and to build together um but um <clears throat> To, to have these differences sometimes it's difficult to negotiate and I, I certainly have found that uh, uh, of, of, over the years and so you, you end up kind of sometimes sidestepping uh, side the issue uh, which is probably not the healthiest way of handling things um, and so what I found really useful is to go back to the word of God and to try and dig deep as deep as I possibly could uh, in order to kind of establish some sort of um, um uh, you know go back to first principles really on, on mm. this and um and um and, and i found that actually you have to go back to the old testament because the thing that struck me when i when i read the new, the new testament you know with john's baptism and then and then jesus baptizing or maybe it was his disciples baptizing and then the church early baptism is that it took nobody by surprise um Everybody thought, yeah, of course, of course, of course, if, if you want to do this sort of thing, you get baptized. Why? It's because already in the Old Testament, this whole business of, um, if you want, thorough washing by water in a ceremonial way was very much ingrained in the whole Jewish sort of uh, religious practices. Uh, for instance, if you go to Leviticus, um, uh, through quite a number of chapters, you see uh, a, a number of ceremonial washings that are going on there, um, principally to do with uh, priests and getting them prepared to minister to God and for the high priest to come into the presence of God. Um, but so, so because one of the pictures in baptism is to be washed clean from our sins, uh, when um, John the Baptist comes with his uh, um, message of baptism of, 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 of of repentance everybody gets it straight away you see because it was there ingrained so <clears throat> um it's you know that, that, that's one of the clues that tells us what baptism is about you know it's a, a ceremonial washing of our sins so therefore if, if you think if you look at the issue of, of pedo baptism for instance the baptism of infants um i i was brought up in a catholic church and I was, as I call it now, christened. I, I don't call it baptized when I was just a few weeks old or a few months old. I can't remember. 
what it was exactly. But that's the point, is that if it's a washing of sins, how does it apply to kind of a, 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 a eight weeks old baby? You know, it's, it's, a bit, it's a bit of a moot point there. And, um, and some people will say, well, um, in the Old Testament, they had babies were circumcised as a right of entrance into God's community. So um, if you look at Colossians 2, that scripture you just mentioned, um, Paul links baptism with circumcision. So does that not mean that baptism now can be applied with, to children because it's their initiation into God's family? And, and, and of course, it's a misreading of, uh, of Colossians 2 because um, uh, what Colossians 2 actually says, uh, apart from the fact that uh, let's face it, it's only males who have been baptized, so what happens to females? Uh, but um, <clears throat> what Paul actually says in Colossians 2 is that just like, he, he does make a parallel between the two, but what he's saying is that just like um, in the old covenant, um, people born in the flesh, children born, in, born of the flesh, were initiated into the kingdom of God through circumcision, in the new covenant, People who are born again are initiated in the kingdom of God through baptism. So you have to be born again first. Yeah. I think in, within the, that's really helpful, because I think within the sort of Protestant evangelical world, those who hold to baptizing babies would, would make the argument perhaps from circumcision and say that, you know, God was including the children then in, in the family. Um, and they in within the evangelical pedo baptist world i think they would probably baptize um children of believers not just any old children um and that that to me is to miss the point because i don't think that babies in the old covenant were baptized because they were children of believers they were baptized because they were descendants of sorry they were they were circumcised because they were descendants of abraham yeah not because of who their parents were and the descendants of Abraham is now expanded to include anyone who has faith in Jesus. Exactly. So until you have faith in Jesus, you're not a descendant of Abraham and you're not coming into the covenant community. Very good. That's, that's exactly the point. Yes, that's right. That's right. Yes. Um, but even if you take the Church of England, for instance, um, and I've got lots of friends in the Church of England and yeah. um, I've got lots of heroes of the faith in the Church of England. Yeah. Um, but in, in the Book of Common Prayer, for instance, um, baptism is um, sort of given the term uh, sacrament, uh, which I think is quite a good term, actually, um, because it's kind of the element of the sacred about it, you know, which yeah. indicates something that comes from God, really, which it is. It's God's idea. <clears throat> and, um, and they describe uh, sacraments, including baptism, as an outward and visible sign of an inward and spiritual grace given unto us. And I like that, you know, because the other thing about baptism is that it's sometimes thought of uh, simply as a symbol. Yes. And um, uh, yes, th there's, th there's a lot of, of the symbolic that goes on uh, with, baptis with baptism, and we can go on to that uh, in a minute. But I think it's more than a symptom. Uh, symbol sorry and I think that that um, description 
um, in the uh, Book of Common Prayer is quite a good one. You know, the outward and visible sign of an inward and spiritual grace given to us. So I prefer the word transaction because I think um, that when someone is being baptized, something actually takes place in God. There's a yes. transaction between God and the believer. And normally with the transaction, uh, you know, in, in human transactions, very often it's between two equals. Um, you know, I buy something from you, so I give you some money and you give me the goods or the service. That's a transaction. And we, we're on par with each other in that transaction. Of course, with God, God is, and by far, the, the bigger partner, the, the, the bigger party of that transaction. So his is the major, major contribution. Ours is a much smaller one. But it's a transaction nonetheless, because it's a response of faith to something that God has done in our lives. And God owns that. As I said before, baptism is, baptism in water is his idea. He owns that. And when a person has been baptized, a transaction takes place. Yeah. I, there is a symbolic, but it goes deeper than that. Yeah, I, I agree. I think the the symbol, the symbol way of talking about it is a red herring and not really the where the Bible puts the emphasis. I think I've said before at some point that uh, people think it's like the wedding ring and it's a symbol and you can have a perfectly good marriage ceremony without the wedding ring. But really, it's more like the wedding night. Um, and if you don't have it, there's a big thing missing in this relationship. Yes, yes. So, you know, people say, oh, well, okay, if, if baptism is so intrinsically linked to conversion in the New Testament, what about all the people who are converted but not baptized as a believer? Um, and a good analogy I've heard for that, I think, is, is the one of marriage. You say, well, you know, on, a, on someone's wedding day, they've said their vows, but they haven't slept together. Are they married? Well, yes, they're married. Of course they're married. But it's kind of like there's a big but in there. And it works the other way around. <laughs> um, the the uh, definition of marriage, according to the to to, to the Bible, is uh, um, living, cleaving, and being one flesh. If a uh, man leaves his father and mother, cleaves to his wife, and they become one flesh, and that's the definition that Jesus uses. But what about having, uh, you know, being married but not having a, a marriage ceremony? Well, try and tell that to the bride, and uh, you're going to get into trouble as a as a man, if you do, uh, <clears throat> because the ceremony is important. And the exchange of vows, exchange of ring is, is important. Something actually takes place there, you see, uh, not least because it's a public declaration. Some, some, something is sealed in a public declaration, isn't it? The first thing that, that I say when um, I, I lead somebody to Christ is to say, go and tell somebody, you know, you will seal it uh, because you've confessed it. Paul says in Romans 10, if you believe in your heart that Christ rose from the dead and confess with your mind that Christ is Lord and confess with your mind that he was raised from the dead, you will be saved. You see, there's a believing and a confessing. So uh, uh, baptism, if you want, being this outward and visible sign of an inward and, and spiritual grace uh, uh, is the public declaration that God has invaded our lives and that we've surrendered us, uh, 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 surrendered it to him. Yeah, but, it, but I think we're saying it's more than, it's not just, uh, uh, it's not just a, an advert, it's actually something, it's a means of grace. 
God, God works in us through it. Yeah, that's right. And it's a mysterious way that's hard. Sorry, sorry. I was finished, basically. Okay. Um, and I, but I think it's a means of grace in, in quite a, a specific way. Um, and if I, I, if I may, I'd I, I like to go into that now. Because um, we, we need to see baptism in water clearly in the, in the context of salvation, because that's the context of, of, the, of, of the Bible, and particularly the New Testament. And salvation essentially is being saved from our sins. Okay, what are we saved from? We're saved from our sins. What are we saved into? We're saved into the new life that God gives us. So let's look at the being saved from our sins bit at the moment and the relationship that baptism has to that. So in the Bible, being saved is spoken of in three tenses. There's the past tense, we have been saved. That's when we first become Christians. And in relation to sin, we've been saved from the penalty from sin. So our guilt is white clean. Jesus has paid the price for our sins on the cross by dying instead of us. And we, we, we've been made clean uh, before God uh, through him. So the penalty is paid for. Then it speaks of... Uh, being saved in the present continuous tense, as it were, a tense that we don't have in English, which uh, sometimes is uh, spoken to in the New Testament as sanctification. And what we are being saved from there is the power of sin. And then the Bible speaks of salvation in the future tense. We will be saved when Jesus comes back. And that, there we will be saved from the presence of sin. So there's the penalty, the power, and the presence, okay? So the power of sin, that's the key thing, okay? And to, to really, the, the passage that's helped me most understand that is Romans in chapter 6. So do you mind if we turn to that now? And, yeah, and I can yeah. read some verses and sort of uh, tell you what, um, <clears throat> what sort of really excited me about that. So Romans chapter 6 comes in the middle of an, an, an argument, if you are, that Paul is having with himself in front of his Roman audience and in front of us uh, to explain uh, really some fundamentals about Christ's salvation. So the argument goes like this. Sin came into the world through Adam and particularly through his disobedience to God. But grace came into the world through Jesus and his obedience to God. And the wonderful thing is that it doesn't matter how bad the sin is, God's grace is better, is bigger, will cover it. And so Paul sort of takes the argument to its logical extreme and asks the question, what shall we say? Then? Because he goes on to say, um, well, where sin increased, grace increased all the more. You know, God will not be defeated in his pursuit of our salvation from sin, okay? No sin is too big for him. So what shall we say then? Paul goes on, going to the logical uh, conclusion of Ogema. Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? And he goes, he says, no, 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 no. We can't do that. Because if you do, you haven't really understood salvation. So he says, we died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? 
Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. So we've been saved from the punishment from sin, but now we have the power of sin to deal with. How do I deal with the power of sin? Do I just grit my teeth and try harder? No, no. Being a Christian is having died to sin and being raised up to newness of life. And baptism, yes, it symbolizes that, but it's also the transaction that enshrines it in our lives, okay? Don't you know that all of us who are baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We're therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that we may be raised into Christ's new life. Okay, so to become, a, to, to become a Christian is to die, to die to sin, okay, and to be raised in newness of life. And baptism is central to that transaction. Baptism in water to is be, transaction. Yes, and it's to be baptised into Christ. Yes. Um, which is, a, which is the massive in Paul, the whole idea of being in Christ um, as a way of talking about what it means to be a Christian. Yes. Um, I, you know, Protestant churches have, have, have long loved the kind of the legal way of talking about it, the, the sins being forgiven, debt cancelled kind of language. But there's this other language is perhaps even more common in the New Testament, that of, of union with Jesus, something almost mystical, maybe that that we are now in Christ. And, and so his death is now our death and his resurrection will be our resurrection. Um, yes, that's right. How can we live in sin anymore? We are now in Christ. Exactly, exactly. And the rest of the chapter, uh, uh, Paul unpacks that and said, because he said that, you know, uh, in, in verse 11, he says, count yourselves dead to sin. And, and, and the word count here is an accountancy term. Uh, in, in the old King James Version, it says, reckon yourself, you know, like, like a, a reckoning on ledgers. You know, you, 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 do, you, you do your sums and you end up with a figure at the bottom. And the figure at the bottom for a Christian is dead to sin because you are in Christ. Okay, so you count yourself dead to sin. That's how you, you overcome sin. And um, baptism is the burial ceremony of the dead Christian. Okay, I've died in Christ. Now, what do we do with dead bodies? Well, we bury them, don't we? Well, we're having a baptism ceremony just for that. And so the body of death is buried and symbolically raised to new life in Christ. So, <clears throat> I mean, I've seen remarkable things and I've heard of remarkable things happening when people are being baptized. Uh, a friend of mine, um, called Mary, uh, who's an American woman, um, uh, part of the um, group, the Christian group that I joined when I first became a Christian. Um, she was a drug addict and she lived next door to the community in, in Milwaukee, in, uh, in, in Wisconsin, in, in the States. Um, she, she, she lived next to the community, the Christian community that I've been talking about. Uh, because they were, that's where they, they started in Milwaukee before they came to Europe. And, and they reached out to her. And she gave her life to Christ. I mean, she was a wreck 
She was a total wreck. And part of the problem, because she was injecting heroin, is that both her arms were absolutely raw with uh, needle marks. So much she'd been injecting. She was as thin as the rake. She was in an absolutely pathetic state. She becomes a Christian. She's baptized. The day after she wakes up from a baptism, her arms, the skin is like baby skin. I've, 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 I've seen and I've heard of people who were freed from demonic influence at the baptisms. You know, it's, it's real. It's real. You know, God owns that. You know, it's his idea. And uh, um, yeah, yeah. Because the problem is this. We, uh, as Paul explained, you know, we, we live in, in this body of sin. Uh, <clears throat> and, uh, and we live in a fallen world. So even though we are a new creation in Christ, even though we've been free from the penalty from sin, there's a struggle going on between our identity in Christ as you were rightly pointing out, a new identity in Christ, the new person that he has made us, and this body of sin in which we live, and uh, this, this fallen world in which we live. And there's, a t- there's tension there, there's terrific tension. Now, the main difference is since, because of our identity in Christ, we are no longer sinners, we are children of God. That's our new identity. So whereas before I could not but sin, now when I sin, it's only occasional. It's not me anymore. Okay. Now the Bible recognizes that as Christians we can, we can still sin, and so um, John's first letter uh, will say, uh, "When you sin, it doesn't say if it says when. When you sin, yeah. uh, confess your sins, and God, who is faithful and just, because it's a matter of justice before God, because the price has been paid by Christ on the cross." God, who is faithful and just, will forgive your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Okay. There's a sense in which um, we're in an increasing process of, of becoming holy and becoming like Christ, isn't there? That's right. And so those quote-unquote occasional sins might be quite frequent uh, yeah. in our Christian life, but that as we respond to the Spirit, they are becoming less frequent. And the whole point is, is not about you know, whether it's, whether we sin once a minute or once a second, but the fact that it's no longer our natural behaviour because we're not in that realm anymore. Yes, and so one of my lines of defence sometimes when I'm tempted is to say, just like Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. That's not me anymore. On the 17th of uh, January um, 1974, I was baptized and my body of death was done away with. Okay? So you can leave now. Okay? That's for the stronger temptation. <laughs> because, because we can be so tempted as Christians, for sure, you know, and with pretty bad stuff. Pretty bad yeah. stuff. And so, so, so yeah, yeah. And, 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 the, and this is why baptism is so important in this, in this dynamic of dealing with the, the presence of sin, you know, one day, oh, sorry, the power of sin, the power of sin, you know, we've been saved from the penalty of sin, we will be saved from the presence of sin, but the power of sin we've got to deal with now, and God has given us a tool, fantastic, you know, let's not discard it, or mis- misappropriate it, or, or, or somehow um, 
fail to see its import. It's, uh, it's, it's something, uh, you know, absolutely uh, crucial. It's still the grace of God, you know. Um, it's a gift that God gives us, um, but it's implemented by our obedience. So when uh, uh, the reason, as I said before, uh, the argument that Paul makes in Romans 5 is that grace, the grace of God came into the world through Christ's obedience. Well, we can let it come into our life through our obedience by submitting to Christ. And one of the ways that we do that is by being baptized in water. After all, he was baptizing water, wasn't he? So, uh, yes, and I think it's important we don't, um, we, we know that we're not supposed to earn our salvation, um, but it's important that we don't make a misstep from that and think, oh, therefore I don't do anything. Um, actually, by the grace of God, I do. I, I'm not saved unless I repent and put my faith in Jesus. Now, yes. it's only of God's grace that I do that in the first place, but nevertheless, I do do it. And, and baptism is God's prescribed way for expressing that repentance and faith. So yes. we're not getting towards a work that you're doing this thing you're doing to earn anything. Earning's not coming anywhere near the picture. Exactly. Um, yeah. That's right, yes, yes. So it's interesting, really, because when, when you look at baptism, you, you see, um, particularly from the imagery of the Old Testament, this whole thing of the washing of sins. Also, there, there was an interesting um, dimension, too, that uh, contemporaries of Jesus and in the early church would have been very aware of, which is um, the so-called uh, proselyte baptism, which was yeah. the, and where basically people who were not Jews were welcomed into the Jewish community. And one of the steps uh, towards that was a form of baptism, which was, again, a, 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 a symbolic kind of uh, uh, washing away of the sin because they were called the sinners. You know? um, and this, which indicates a break with the pagan world. Right, okay? that's interesting. So, so already the, the imagery is, is rich there, you know, there's washing from, from um, sin, washing, being washed clean from sin, uh, breaking from a pagan life, a pagan, a pagan past. But then on top of that, there's a the repentance uh, aspect of it already in the baptism of, uh, uh, of John the Baptist. But then with Christ, other dimensions come in. So the union with Christ, obviously, that you spoke about so well just now is the central element of it. But there is this also this, this whole thing of um, <clears throat> having this transaction that gives us a, a tool to, um, uh, to overcome in this whole area of the powers in, in, uh, in and around us, really. Well, it's been great to uh, chew this cud with you, Philippe. Um, sure. I might it'd be good for me to put the eldership hat on for a minute and and just say that um, for anyone listening who's uh, part of City Church or thinking of becoming part of City Church, um, we want you to know that we value believers' baptism really highly. Um, that's not to that's not to dishonour those of a 
of an infant Baptist persuasion. And um, we don't won't necessarily make that a sort of, we don't necessarily make believers baptism a condition of church membership, as long as people are, are, are being true to their conscience and their understanding of scripture, that's really important. But we'd really, 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 really want to commend it to everyone um, as, uh, as um, not, not just a symbol, not just an option, but you know, this, this means of grace, um, as we see it, a really important part of what, um, what it means to, to follow Jesus. And, and because it's more than a symbol, um, I guess, Philippe, you'd agree, even, you know, even if it's been some time since you started following Jesus, if you weren't baptised at that point, it's worth doing now. Absolutely. Um, and um, I've been instrumental in seeing many people baptised who had been Christians for quite a while and, um, and who really sort of thanked me afterwards for uh, sometimes challenging them. I can think of a couple um, well-established members of, uh, of a city church uh, who shall remain nameless, but if they're here, they, they will recognize themselves. Yeah. And <laughs> who, who, who were very thankful that uh, despite their initial reluctance, because they've been Christian a, a, a long time and they're absolutely superb Christians, uh, when they first um, joined the church, I, I, I spoke to, to, to them about it. And, uh, and eventually they did. And, uh, and they, they really thought it was a, you know, a great step to, to, to make at last. So, so yeah, absolutely. Brilliant. Well, um, great to chat, Philippe. Thank you for talking and thank you for all you've done over 20, however many years it is, uh, to, to see so many people united with Christ through the waters of baptism. Sure, sure. Well, it's goodbye from me. And from me.